Do you love your morning coffee? Did you get used to everything being delivered to your door? Well, perk up, because today we're having a conversation with a couple who built a business just around those things. Hello, I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> How are you? Uh, you know, just, you know, trying to get through the day. Uh, we recently had the uh, the time change, and I have to say that is, is always a drag on the body. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, it, it takes a lot to get going. Yeah. So yeah. what gets you going in the morning? Uh, well, me, it's like, I don't know, six cups of coffee. <laughs> kind of a coffee snob. So sorry, that's what it is. How about you? Uh, you know, I love the smell of coffee, mm-hmm. but I've never developed taste for it. I wish I did, well, but I, you know, I used to work in a bakery and one of my favorite things to do was grinding the coffee, get that contact high. But, you know, I, I grew up a little bit, you know, my dad was in the air force and we were stationed in England for three years and I went to an English school. So oh, I got I know what you're going to say. Yeah, tea. So I'm the tea guy. Okay. I feel bad on a day like today with our guests coming oh, up, but I'm the tea goodness. guy. But, well, uh, and actually it's the shower. Too. Okay. I, yeah, I cannot yeah. start my day until I've had that shower. Yeah. Otherwise, time. you feel like you have twelve layers of life on you or <laughs> That's something. Right. And it's just that time you know. Yeah. It perks me up. There you go. You ever drink tea in the shower? Not yet, but <laughs> well, you, tomorrow is a new never. day, my friend. <laughs> tomorrow is a new day. Okay. So coffee snob. Yeah. So what, what does that mean? What you know? What kind of coffees turn you on? Uh, there's a particular drive through coffee that has two of the same letters that exists in the region <laughs> and now in the country that I don't prefer, let's just say. Okay. And I used to prefer one that was originally from Seattle, but I've found better coffee than that. Uh, however, there's everything in between. So I drink coffee for the flavor. I drink espresso for the mm. flavor, and um, I'm going to bring our guests in in a minute, too, and, and, but I'm going to tell you that I ordered some of their coffee, yes. and I had it last week, and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> why haven't I been drinking this all along? You've discovered a new oh, level of coffee nirvana. I know, and now I'm just like, like boy, everything else was, was good, but this is great. Ooh. So I'm pulling them in. I'm pulling Dan and Yanni in for a second because we, we need to know how you start your mornings. And I'm assuming, Yanni, it's going to be coffee, but maybe, maybe A little not. espresso. Okay, good. Good. A little espresso. Dan, how about you? You know, I'd, I'd love to say coffee is part of the ritual, but there's a four-year-old and a six-year-old that oh. really, really, honestly, truly start our day. Okay. And it's not on my terms. They negotiate the terms. Yes, I know. Right. I have a two and a five. So, yeah. I, yeah. You're there. Yeah. You're on the same you know. page. <laughs> yeah. And that is sometimes why we need our coffee, because... Precisely. Things, you know, you got to keep happen. up. Things happen. Things can go off the rails pretty quick. They can. They can. Our guests this week are Yanni and Dan McLenathan, founders of Hato Viejo Coffee in Lebanon, New Hampshire. Yanni is a native of the Dominican Republic who grew up surrounded by community, rich traditions, and amazing coffee. She made her way to New Hampshire's Upper Valley and mid-pandemic established, along with her husband, Dan, Hato Viejo. Welcome, Yanni. Welcome, Dan. It's great to have you. 
Thank you so much. We are happy to be here. Good, good. Let's get down to it. First things first, um, you started a business during the pandemic. What's that been like? Having great is having a, an adventure. Uh, at the beginning, when the idea came, we throw like, I, th- I said to my husband, like, are you crazy? We're in the middle of the pandemic. You know, how am I going to travel to Santo Domingo? And he said, just start, you know, making calls, emails, and, you know, and we can start there. This is the first thing that we have to do. So even before you got there, I found interesting that this sort of started when, Dan, you gave up coffee. So first of all, let's start with, what were you thinking of stopping coffee in the <laughs> middle of the pandemic? <laughs> Look, I, I, we all have our, what would you do in a pandemic scenario? We now know that, what, how we'll respond to that. And, um, you know, I think the first part of the pandemic, when it really started to happen for us, there was a lot of unknowns and it was quite miserable and a little bit scary. Um, And part of that was me overcompensating with, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to do all, I'm going to cut alcohol out. I'm going to cut coffee out. I'm going to change all these things about my life and, and get right. And, and um, yeah, okay, sure. Okay. But yeah. So you know, how's, so this, how's getting right going? Yeah. For right. You? Right. So, so that lasted a yeah you know, a, a while, okay. and um and then of, of course I went back to coffee. I've been drinking coffee, you know. And then I wake up and he was grinding some coffee. I'm pretty sure a good coffee, but I wasn't Dominican. And uh-huh. I just say like, "What are you doing? Are you coming back to coffee?" He said, "Yes, I wanna I wanna get back." And I say, "Oh," and I just went back home and I just say like, "You know what? Nothing better like a you know a cup of coffee." like fresh ground from my mother mm-hmm. it's like you know and, and he said wow yes and a few days after he came to me and he said johnny you know long time ago you have been looking for something to start doing it i think this is a great time to start doing investigating about coffee and i was you know i'm, I'm a really positive person but i was the the, the one that i said like oh what are we gonna do it how i explained before you know it's like we in this middle this we don't know what's going to happen and, you know, how by say we don't have anything to lose. Just, you know, you got the time. That is the first thing. You know, you got the kicks and you're home right now. And why, you know, why you don't start investigating? And let's see what happens. Nice, nice. Well, it's funny. We joke about, and we did so far, like, you know, you start a business mid-pandemic. But you're right. I mean, it's a different scenario, right? It's a different, your life is different all of a sudden. You're home. You, you're doing things differently. Why not? as one of those differences, start a business, especially when you're passionate about something. We had gone through a previous winter of complete lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. And stuck inside with kids and how mm-hmm. do you entertain these children mm-hmm. and can't, the ski season was cut short. So we were like, what are we going to do this winter? And that, I mean, that totally fed into this, right? Of why not now? Yeah. Because we're, we might be in another, it wasn't a lockdown situation, but it, hey, why not? We're going to have this time and um, can we do something positive with it? And that's, it it gives you empowers you right to have the attitude to try something that you otherwise wouldn't right. Cool. Yeah, and after um, this, you know, like you will, you know, you realize that you have to be like between the sword and the wall to you know to feel like you you can start something great. It doesn't matter when. It just you know you have to work for. Right. Right. Now this was the first entrepreneurial venture, right? Talk a little bit about each of your backgrounds before you decide to, to dive into a business. 
for me. Um, so I, I work at Hypertherm. I have for the last 22 years. I'm the director of digital solutions at Hypertherm, which is a relatively new department. But, um, you know, my experience at Hypertherm, I've worked in sales and service and applications, um, mostly working with customers uh, with our technology and our products. And, and that's um, plasma cutting equipment. Exactly. Right? So this is uh, industrial machinery, right? So today, Hypertherm is, is a lot of different uh, plasma systems, water jet systems. Uh, my background was always working on the control systems, the CNCs, um, all the sort of the technical infrastructure that goes into the, these big heavy machine tools. And, you know, what, what, what my experience has been in the last couple of years is working on, you may have heard this, um, Internet of Things, uh, mm-hmm. IoT, yeah. Yeah. right? So you can imagine for a company like Hypertherm or any industrial company, now the equipment can be connected to the internet. And if it can be connected to the internet, it can produce data. And that data can tell us if the machine is happy, sad, if it needs to be serviced, it can tell <laughs> yeah. us everything. Yeah. And that creates all new business models. And that's really what, what I do at Digital Solutions is think about, you know, the, the data and, and what, what kind of value can we create for our customers, for our partners, for, our, for ourselves? Um, so that's a little bit about myself. And how is that, uh, your experience there fed into um, the creation of the business? And, and I mean, I noticed from my experience purchasing from you guys that, um, you know, you've, you've got the, a great website, you've got the platform to order and, and which has all its bells and whistles, which is great. Um, did you kind of, were you uh, able to kind of run with that right away and, and have an yeah, understanding so of technology and... I, I didn't just know how to do that, but mm-hmm. I knew that um, for, for working in in a company like Hypertherm for that long, I knew that we could figure it out, right? It, yes. It's not, it's, you know, honestly, you could go to YouTube and figure out how to do just about anything nowadays. <laughs> but and, maybe you shouldn't sometimes. Yeah, but, but maybe yeah. you shouldn't, right? <laughs> but, but no, but seriously, it's a, it's, it's a lot if you try to do it all at once and boil the ocean. But if you break it down into us, hey, I got to figure out how you get a domain. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where you know I got to figure out how to do a website, but I don't want to program it myself. And mm-hmm. how do how do I do that? And yeah, yeah. So just um, taking a bunch of uh, larger, complicated things and break them into smaller. Yeah, exactly. You may not have the the immediate knowledge, but you have the mindset to figure it out, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So, um, Yanni, tell us about your background. Yeah, I I study manufacturing engineer engineering in Dominican Republic, and I worked like a year after I graduated and. I already have come in 2006 to United States, like mm-hmm. in those work and travel program for mm-hmm. college students. Nice, you know, to have experience uh, working was my first job, and you, you know, in United States and and back home too, and and then I just, you know, the the economy over there, like the production, they moved most of the company to China. Uh, uh, and that's happened in 2007, mm-hmm. and I was I was in the process between finding a job and all that, and it was a little difficult. And then I started a part-time job in the in the power company when I received the invitation again to coming back to the country to work in hospitality. Mm-hmm. You know, took over the high season on you know the resort, and and this is when how I came to United States the second time, and after two year and a half working like you know moving around every season, like every three months, every four months sure. to cover high season. I landing in, in White River Junction to work for a for a, a family business, mm-hmm. a small restaurant, Elixir, uh, in White River Junction. 
and that have been my those people having my family and they having my friend for the last eleven year and a half that wow. I just you know and you know during the pandemic they have to close the restaurant. Mm. I was working just part time like Friday and Saturday, saying I got you know I got two kicks mm-hmm. and you know bring it to school preschool and yeah. and all that were were helping were taking care of them the weekends and that way that would be a way to me. Right. You know, I was saying, I was going there just away to me, like, got a little free time, you know, without the kids right. and all that. Be around yeah. adults. Be around adults. And, Which is you know, important. And, and how I say that place was, is it never had been a job. It was like more like a, like a family. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, you know, always was helping them till just a few weeks ago yeah. that I, I told them, you know, I haven't go through the pandemic with you guys. I started the business and they knew, you know, they were getting busy. And, but I know, you know, we don't have a lot of employees right now. And, you know, I told them like. Time for a change. Time, time to dedicate my time 100% to have to be a hook office because we think, uh, you know, people, people are happy with the product and, you know, we, I really passionate about what I'm doing, what we're doing and. I, you know, what's that time for a chant? I miss them, but. Well, they'll they'll be there, and I think they'll They're support happy. your yeah. oh, yes. uh, success, I can, and maybe I, they'll make your coffee there too, huh? We sell, <laughs> <laughs> we, they sell my coffee. Oh, there. of course they do. My French See? press, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Yep. good. That's good. Community what about right the there. martini they have, right? Yeah, they got a um, coffee martini. Yeah. Oh, yeah. now you're talking. Yep. There you yep. Go. That's the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's there five o'clock somewhere. It's every hour of the day. It is five o'clock somewhere. Um, tell bring us to your upbringing in the Dominican Republic and how farming, how coffee, how community, how all of that fits together, uh, and for you and what it was like growing up there. Um, first of all, I'm the seven or oh, I'm the number seven or oh, nine kicks from my parents. Oh wow, yeah. nine! Wow, nine. <laughs> I said to my I husband, thought two was difficult. Yeah, me too. Before I got two, I said to my husband, you know what? I see, like I understand when. People have big family. It's you know it's a lot of work, but they entertain each other. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And the older one take care of the younger yeah. one. That was what we did. You know, like yeah. and it was it was really nice. You know, we I got six brothers and two sister, and we are really you know I don't know if we call we coming for another country. We keep it close, but we are really united. You know, we yell each other when some <laughs> someone yeah. doing something wrong or something we think. You know, we we help each other. And growing there back home was, you know, I couldn't, if somebody asked me if I would like to to born in Dominican Republic, I would say yes. And in my family too, because, you know, it's like now that I see how society sometimes goes and how kids are growing, like I say like, wow, like this is so valuable. You know, the, the value that our parents introduced to us we didn't have a lot of money because, you know, we were, you know, my father was farm and maybe got money one time of the year or two mm. times when he could sell, you know, some cows and the cafe. Right. But at the same time, it was, you know, they teach us what was really important for us, you know, keep you united. Education was first, you know, they always saying to God, whatever you, you know, whatever you achieve. And, and then, you know, about how I, I got connected with the coffee, you know, when the moment that I born, my six older brothers and sisters, they born in Hato Viejo, like mm. in the in the mountain. In the my father and my mother, they live there. When they get married, my father, you know, my father was living over there with the, with his mother. 
And then when they get married, my mother went from the valley to live there. And they, they bought that property that is still, that they live right now, I would call my home right now, mm -hmm. yeah. where we have the tobacco production. Uh, and then they move after when they have the six, number six. And then in the following year, I can. <laughs> then, and then it's still like, you know, the life was, you know, my, pa my parents used to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, uh, get ready everything, the horses, the donkey, uh, the, the dogs, to go up the mountain with some uh, farmers. And then my brothers, my older one, they were going there, pick it all the milk, bring yeah, it back. You have to, to, to paint a picture here. This is a... She's saying mountain. It's it's a mountain. The, these are legitimate mountains. I think that the tallest one is ten thousand feet in the Dominican. Wow. These are real mountains, and the coffee, the good coffee, is up, and and the land, the original land, is up uh, on the on the mountain where where the where they would be growing that, mm -hmm. um, and they'd be growing mangoes and things like that. And then the in the valley where where she, where you live today, your parents live today, is where they grow tobacco and other things, but. Back when where Hata Viejo was was up, yeah, well, way I was. up. So they were they were growing coffee beans then. Yeah, they were growing coffee. Yeah, they're growing coffee. Yeah. My father that it's was the main that was the main that was the main sustainable the family in that time and the cows. We used to have the cows and the and cacao too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And wow. then uh, you know that was a day they used to go there. My older brother used to have I said bring the milk. Uh, my mother used to sell it. Um, then they used to go to school, coming back, bring lunch for everybody, everybody working there. And that was the time that the younger one that we used to go there to pick it on mango, eat, and even help. Because I remember I always say, like, my father used to say, like, I say, oh, I cannot reach it. My father used to put the, you know, the, the brunch down and, like, oh. we can reach it. You know, that was a way, like, you know, you come here, you help then you can have some mango and go to the river and swim. And it was really fun. And then when we used to go down, always like, uh, I was living in the way. And, you know, still, we used to stop by for some water. And we used to, you know, it was really fun, uh, you know, grow up there. But, you know, that end when my younger brother, I think I was telling uh, someone like that, especially and when my younger brother born, because he born with a bone disease, like osteogenesis imperfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think this is when everything already like the big company, the the main. Yeah. So if I can explain the, the original farm sure. where all the coffee and the land was, mm -hmm. they um, eventually a commercial poultry farm came and bought all of the, the lots and, you know, one by one, they purchased all the lots up on the mountain so that they could have this big commercial operation. Wow. And that, you know, and so Hata Viejo is, is a river and it's the land sort of that irrigated all that land uh, up there, all those lots for mm -hmm. a few families that had uh, farmland up there. Uh, and it's mostly gone. It's mostly underneath a uh, a commercial poultry farm at this oh, wow. point. I'm and pretty sure there might kind of be the significance some of coffee the name. still, you know, because Naturally they are land growing, that they sure. are in Atula because they have in the Belosong area there. Yeah. But they took over. My father was one of the last ones to sell, but they pretty much forced to sell because even they closed the main road, yeah. a road that is in the map. Oh. And, you know, and like... You go into July, you have to be asking permission to a company to go through. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It wasn't even fun. 
and and how I said, like after my brother born, my mother have to be allowed in the hospital because he from the three months he start breaking his his oh, bone, and yeah. you know was yeah. was hard time, and and still like you know growing up and about that, but my mother always was till now she always say if God give you something because you can handle it, and this is how we you know we grow up with a faith like you that. know yeah. Like everything can be in my back, you know, it's good because I can handle it. And I, I've seen I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. And then again, how I say my father sold the land and dedicate more just to the tobacco and some vegetable that we use, you know, that we use in the house, like corn. Uh, you name it, it grows there. <laughs> I was going to say, boy, with you fertile soil it. and oh. the weather. Yuca, yeah. yuca is the yuca. best yuca oh, in the country. Boy. Yuca from Plantains. Waka. Plantains. Oh. God, when do we go? Let's talk coffee, though. I mean, (laughs) there's, I'm sure among our audience, some very coffee addicted people. So, you know, when you came down and and saw your husband grinding the beans after what six months of of laying off, you're like, (laughs) okay, if you're going to go back to coffee, let's do good coffee. So, let's talk about why, um, you know, focus on um, importing coffee from the Dominican Republic. And what's the difference? What what makes that coffee special and, and particularly your your brand of it? Yeah. I think this is was like you say, like that was like, okay, if you're gonna come in about food tying, I know you drink a lot of coffee, we quite dream, but less. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna make sure to bring the best coffee from Dominican Republic. And I wanna make sure to bring one of the best from the best farm and the in the yard. And that's why, you know, like I start investigating and, you know, took me like a lot of calls. I don't know. Sometimes I have mentioned like more than 100 right. to get to them. because More from, than 100 calls to get? I, I'm pretty sure I did it in, in, in less than one week. Like wow. from wow. one place to the another. I know that people that's... promised me like a, a maybe platform. I would say like like. People like I, they connect me like oh those people can help you if you mm. want to start a business blah blah mm. blah back there and they they were so excited about yeah we can start importing this and and then like a few days after like you know they don't even call me back it's just mm. you know yeah you started with really a the Dominican uh, Economic Commission mm-hmm. I forget what it would be like the you know that's responsible for association coffee. yeah association of co- coffee so you know, reaching out to really people who are involved in trade on the Dominican side. And she quickly learned that nobody exports to the United States Dominican coffee. It's basically consumed within the Dominican, although what is exported primarily goes to Europe or stays, you know, in in Latin America. Oh, interesting. And so that it's, and so, but that's part of our story is, and part of our mission is Mm. it's not common, right? You hear Colombian coffee, Mexican coffee, Ethiopian coffee. You don't hear about Dominican coffee, and here is this country that has four distinct coffee-growing regions, Baharoa, uh, uh, Harabacoa. We're, so so we, we have um, access to some very interesting strains of coffee that are not common in the United States, which gets according to the mission, one of the things of, you know, introducing people to coffee from the Dominican in the United States is not a bad thing to think about, right? I mean, there's there's kind of an education here. There's a journey, and there's a distinct taste, as, as you tried it last mm-hmm. week. Yeah, uh, the low acid, it's really smooth, Absolutely. right? It's so and smooth. it's super smooth. And it doesn't matter even like you know the the. I really wanna wanna had like a, a hiding camera in the farmers market at the beginning because <laughs> that was like. 
you know, the people was, I was pouring and giving to them, I said, like, no, no, I don't like dark coffee. I said, like, do you want to try, you know, because this dark coffee is no bitter at all. It's really, like, smooth. Right. Yep, and, and they they often will tell you, well, I usually put cream and sugar, but I'll just try it. And they're like, oh, I could drink that black. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could. Yeah, you know? <laughs> how about that? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you should, too. Yep. So let's talk a bit about the business model. Yes. So originally, when you started this business, I think you were envisioning a straight coffee subscription model. Can you talk about that model, yeah. which I think still exists, and then how you've kind of morphed the business model to focus on some of the local and regional sales? So so we started, um, you know, honestly, on January 1st, I wasn't trying to sell coffee necessarily. I was just saying to myself, can I get customers to my website? Like people that I don't know, can, and that was really digital marketing. You know, can I lever- leverage social media and learn about social media marketing to get people to my website. And so there are a whole bunch of experimentation into figuring out, can we solve that problem? And then it was, it, in digital marketing, we're referring to your funnel, but you know, can you get them to your website? Mm-hmm. What pages are they spending time on? Mm-hmm. What products are they clicking on? How can you refine, um, well, if, if, is, it, is it this picture? Is it the way you've said it in this statement? Do I need to put pricing information on this page? Like all of that was the learning uh, in the first uh, really six, eight weeks of trying to figure that out. And, you know, eventually there, um, you know, once you get past your friends and family who are, who are buying from you, you do start to get, it's working. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> and the nice thing about digital marketing, right, is you can actually measure your success at all yes. levels of the funnel. How much am I spending? How much does it cost me to get, you know, a, a thousand people to, to go to my website um, you know, how much does it cost uh, to get them to click on an ad? How much does it cost to get them to buy something, your acquisition cost? Mm-hmm. So that, we started with a purely digital, uh, I'm going to try to sell subscriptions, um, and, and we're going to try to market this through social media broadly in North America. And that's, that's the starting point, and a lot of learning um, about who the, who the customers are, what your acquisition costs are, um, you know, what kind of ads resonate with different people. So, you know, in this process, I guess I would say we learned who our customer is uh, a lot. We started to get an idea of who our customer is. Mm-hmm. Um, and who are they? I was, yeah, I right. Was the same <laughs> yeah. thing, Matthew. Thank you very much. Good job. Well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> what I'll say is that um, there are, there are the co- coffee is a highly competitive um, thing. And if you look at how coffee is being sold over social media, you'll find that, a lot of it is targeted to uh, political or causes and things like that. If you can believe it or not, if you you can pull up in Facebook, for example, and you can see all the ads uh, via different com- coffee companies, and you'll see that political and let's just say social causes and mm-hmm. things are sure. probably the leading ways that, that they're being sold, right? So it's not necessarily about the coffee. It's right. more about we're associated with this. Do you Are you associated with this? Good. Bye. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Like we, we, you know, clean water is our yeah. is our number one thing. You like clean water, Try right? Our coffee. Yeah. Why don't you like? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Try our coffee. Um, so, so we we learned about that, and and the, the broader question of who our customer is. So we're still figuring this out, but I can tell you that um, there are 
when you're a new business and New Hampshire's a fantastic place to start a business, we'll sing it from the mountaintops. Excellent. The support you get from the community, uh, you know, just from the different, the government, every, everyone was uh, really helped us with information and how to work through all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there, there's going to be a group of people who want to buy your coffee because they want to support local business. That's yes. one. Yep. Then there's going to be people who try your product and say, you have a good product. Like, I like your coffee. Um, I normally buy, you know, I don't spend that much, but it's local and I like your product. It's a better, better than what I was buying. So you sort of, you can expand into that group. Um, you know, and, and what I guess what I'm learning is that we went from a nationally, how can we figure this out on the national to, we need to start in Lebanon in the upper Valley and we need to understand very specifically what are the things that customers like about Hata Viejo and then we can scale that up, right? And so that's that's really honestly where we are today. Uh, and subscriptions um, are uh, we're definitely not moving away from that. There is a there's a great economic model there that for us to be able to uh, understand where the revenue um, it's a consistent revenue stream, right? And it helps us to plan so we know what to expect for sales each week. And because, and you know, in exchange, right, you get a discount, right? So if you're weekly or biweekly subscription, there's a nice discount in there for you. Um, and so, and the other thing is that a subscription does is it ties the customer can always stop subscribing, and because of that, we're sort of on the hook for always delivering you good products and good services. And if something doesn't go, we're, we're, we're small enough, if something, somebody doesn't like something, they call us or email us, which is great, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, I didn't even realize that. And, and so you can make changes and adapt and uh, continue to uh, improve. Right. Great. And I think the farmer's market was really great way to, to get into the local because, you know, I'm there in a few market around, around you know, around town mm-hmm. and... You know, was really fascinated to see the people try the coffee, give him a point, the point of view. Like sometimes they coming by, say, you know, I love your coffee, but I like bitter. You know, you know, it's okay, yeah. okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's fine, right? Okay, if you're looking for that, you're not gonna find it to be at home. But it was it was a great a great opportunity to to listen and and get to know how they say who are our customers. And a lot of them, they are in subscription right now. Yeah. Nice, nice. I've got a, um, a coffee coffee flavor question, I guess, or almost a coffee manufacturing question in terms of roasting. So you say, you know, we, you talk about, and I, and I tried it and I love it, and, and it is not bitter. But is is it in the roasting? Is it more or less that takes that bean and it changes the flavor of the bean? And um, could it ever... If someone said, you know, had enough people to say, we really want, really want bitter. Well, is that something that where you would roast it more and it becomes more bitter, or is it the is it's it the that in the bean? Okay. Yeah, I mean, tell us, yeah, the, more about flavor and it's and all that. more of the. I mean, roasting I mean, is a huge makes a huge difference to the flavor, right? So, uh-huh. coffee's a fruit. It is a a, a berry. I mean, it, there's what you actually end up roasting. The bean is it's the the seed right in the in the middle, uh-huh. and there's all this fruit on the outside, like a blueberry. And what gives, so a, the lighter the roast, the more natural flavor of the coffee, right? So you can have a little bit more acid. Yeah. Uh-huh. But what happened with Hato Viejo is the Dominican coffee, if you Google, is considered a low acid coffee in okay. the world, it's, it's the soil. 
I was going to say, yeah, it's you know, probably from always the, soil. the you know the roasting part is really important. You know, a professional make sure you have a professional person that do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna you know it's like the same like a barista. You know, you need you know you need a good coffee, you need a good water, but you need a, a person that know how to do it. It's right. the same way. But in this case, like uh, the land, the land is you know for the people that like low uh, low acid coffee. This is a blast. Right, <laughs> love it. And in in okay. we have a give an example. We have a red honey, which is it's the the type of coffee it is, which is has to do with um, so a, they they clean the fruit off the coffee. And then normally it's a washed process where mm-hmm. they, that they remove all that fruit and then they dry it out in the sun or there's different ways. And with the red honey, it, they leave the flesh on the the bean. Oh. And they go go out there and they turn it a little bit. And there's there's a red honey, there's a black honey, a yellow honey, which really has to do with how often they're turning it. And what that does is it really uh, preserves the natural fruitiness, like strawberry, like all these natural sweet flavors uh, of the coffee are preserved preserved uh, preserved in that process. Uh-huh. Um, so so again, in something like that, there would be no point to roast it as a dark roast because uh-huh. a dark roast is a dark roast, right? It's just you're roasting it to the end, whereas a, and you a get medium less or acid light. if you go in dark. Eh? Yeah. If mm-hmm. you like a little, if you still like have to be when you like more acid, you have to go in the light side. Yeah. And we have the red honey that is that process that Dan said, uh-huh. and we have the medium too. Nice. That is, there are you know. They're medium, but usually like artisan, artisanal coffee. It's a washed bean, though. Yeah. Yeah, we do a little less, you know, than usually. So Yanni, you quit uh, the, the the job you had uh, that you were doing previously to devote yourself full time now to the company. Uh, so obviously things have been building. Can you talk about uh, what's the next steps now that you're that you're going to be taking to build the company and what you hope people take away from? you know, their experience with your coffee? Um, I think, you know, like we are, we're going to be focused and continue growing in the next, you know, the next year. And we are planning, you know, we know that everything is, you know, everything is we're doing well and we're going to continue growing because we got, a, you know, amazing product. We know about that. And, and I can see, you know, us like being the main Dominican coffee in New England and the country, maybe. <laughs> I love it. See, she's thinking big. We got an entrepreneur right across the table. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, we're excited for your future uh, and, and the future of Hato Viejo. And we thank you both, Yanni and Dan, for being with us and, and for founding, uh, for that matter, Hato Viejo Coffee. So thanks again for joining us. It's been a blast. Thank you so much to you guys. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. And if you want to meet Yanni and Dan and try out their coffee, <sighs> they are going to be among the exhibitors at the Made in New England Expo this weekend, December 4th and 5th. So come on down. You'll be have a chance to meet them after learning about their story. So thank you again to the two of you and uh, happy holidays to everyone. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And now the buzz with Matt Mowry. Here's what businesses are buzzing about this week. 
pandemic entrepreneurship. So Nathan, Mm -hmm. what did you do during this pandemic? (laughs) Like cried into my soup? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I know there were times like, like my big accomplishment was keeping the Sandy and like, you know, binging the latest thing on Netflix. Right. And yet there are people that, that that are putting us to shame that they are being truly some of the most productive people during this. And they're starting businesses. In fact, pandemic entrepreneurship took off at unprecedented levels, leading to the largest increase in new business applications in recorded history. And it's a number that's continuing to rise well into this year. So according to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, over 4.3 million new business applications were filed in 2020. Good Lord. That's 24% over 2019. Wow. That's incredible to me. That's amazing. And during 2020, about 380 out of every 100,000 adults became new entrepreneurs each month. I love it. Yeah, I do I love too. it. That did not Good for business. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and retail trade saw the highest gains with a 58% year-over-year increase in 2020 business applications. Which God I bless was, those people. I know. I mean, talk about optimism. They're a special kind of crazy, but that's good. <laughs> so uh, the folks that had the highest percentage of new entrepreneurs were, I love this one, 45 to 54-year-olds. Those are my peeps. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Your demographic. Our older folks like me are in the house. You're not older. You're just seasoned. That's right. Uh, people with less than a high school degree were among the highest entrepreneurs, Right on. on. you know, finding a way to make it work. Immigrants, uh, Latinos. Um, so these were among some of our highest level entrepreneurs, uh, during the pandemic. That's going to mean good things for the future of business. I'll tell you that. It really is. So that is what we're buzzing about this week. Welcome back to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. Matt, are you a Family Guy fan? Remember that show? Oh, yes. Oh, Oh, God. (laughs) That's my pita. There you go. Uh, So for those of our listeners who don't know, I don't know where you've been, but uh, it is basically, it's a cartoon, probably a Fox or one of the big networks um, or all over the place now, but a cartoon about a, to say it in the very, in a very few words, a dysfunctional family from Rhode Island. And that's it. Um, I'll leave it there for folks. But I, I know I'm probably dating myself a little bit, but, you know, with that. But I don't know, maybe the kids still watch Family Guy. I don't know. We'll see in 10 years when society's all screwy. Just kidding. But the main character, the dad, Peter Griffin, finds a circuitous route to a show on local TV that he, that he calls, you know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> yeah. So, I don't like to be a negative Nancy, but you know what really grinds my gears, man? What grinds your gears? Oh, my God. When businesses don't empower business owners and the entire team, don't empower their employees and their team to make decisions that will benefit the customer and, in the end, benefit the company. Okay? Drives me batty. If I go somewhere and I ask for something in reason, within reason, of that employee if it's an upgrade, if it's a discount, if it's a this, if it's a that, give it to me. Not just me. Give it to the people that are asking for it. Because what happens then? They go, oh, they heard me. They helped me. I like this. They gave me good service. I want to come back. I want to be part of this brand, you know? Um, 
When I first moved to New Hampshire, I uh, about 10 years ago, I worked for a large hospitality operation in the northern part of the state with a big red roof. I wonder which one it was. <laughs> it was an awesome experience. It was wild. Um, but in that experience, I was empowered to make decisions that essentially would benefit in this case, the guest working in hospitality. So it, I was the concierge, and it wasn't just the concierge. It was any employee at any level that was empowered to make a decision to help a guest. And I remember someone in management explaining the idea to other team members once, and they said, if we give you the tools to help guests, it makes everyone happy. And if you give perhaps a bit too much or don't make exactly the right decision, guess what they're going to do? They're not going to fire you. They're not going to demote you. They're not going to dock your pay. They're simply going to have a conversation about it later so you can learn from it. That's pretty cool. It is. That's empowerment. And you know what it does? There's happy guests in hospitality because there's a team of people going, yeah, I can do that for you. It's not a big deal. Take care of it behind the scenes if it is a big deal and, <laughs> and learn from it from there. But um, it's an amazing tool. It's an amazing part of a culture. And again, I just I think it's amazing. And I would really... Um, encourage any business owner to implement that idea. Do you have an experience like that at all? I mean, be there, being on either end of, <laughs> of that, you know, making the ask or being the one that's like, I can do that. Yeah. I, you know, we're all, that's part of the discussion in, at, at our company because we do a lot of events that are public facing. Mm. Uh, and it is about, you know, making sure that it's a positive customer experience because great customer service is such a rarity. It seems sometimes yes. that it yes. really stands out. And that's what you talk to your friends about. You might even post about on social media. Oh, like yeah, I you do had now. this great experience and it's going to keep me coming back. Right. Right. And these are all the things that we have to consider now. It's like, if you don't do that one simple thing that that person thinks is not a big deal at all, that customer, that guest, you're going to hear about it on social through everybody and their brother and the thousand people that they know, because you know, that's what happens in the social day and age that we live in. But um, again, you know, empowerment of employees, the, t the, the management team, the ownership, empowering their employees will go a long way in the success of a business. Thanks for joining me in the Cardinal Corner. How may I assist you? Find more at our website, cardinalconsultingnh.com, or on social at cardinalconsultingnh. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard in today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business NH Magazine and Cardinal Consulting. Listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. <laughs>